Bernard Hopkins recently gave his take on a potential showdown between Tyson Fury and Anthony Joshua. He described Tyson Fury as the biggest personality in the heavyweight division since Muhammad Ali. But he thinks the fight between the two of them is a toss-up. And he actually went as far as saying that he thinks the first fight will be a draw between them and that Anthony Joshua would win the rematch. Very, very interesting. Now, I have to imagine at this point that the majority of the boxing public think that Tyson Fury would win because boxing fans tend to be reactionary. You're only as good as your last fight. All the old cliches and adages can be applied here. And also, they don't tend to entertain the reality that styles make fights. But nonetheless, you obviously don't dismiss what's happened recently in a fighter's career and what you've seen up to this point. You obviously don't do that. And Anthony Joshua, when was it? Yeah, last year, excuse me, in June, on June 1st last year, was wiped out by Andy Ruiz. He was knocked all over the ring, battered. That can happen again, clearly. Anthony Joshua doesn't have the greatest chin. I think even his most uh, fanatical of supporters would have to admit at this stage that AJ don't take a great shot. We saw against Dylan White when he got clipped on the chin, and that wasn't Dylan White's full power on the left hook. And Anthony Joshua's legs were all over the place. He was down against Klitschko. To be fair, he took some good shots when he was fighting Klitschko in that fifth round where he kind of punched himself out. Then he was taking some good shots from Klitschko. In the next round, he got dropped heavy and it's only because of Klitschko's cautious nature that Anthony Joshua was able to survive. He was wobbled against Povetkin. We all saw that. You should have seen it. And then he was dropped multiple times against Andy Ruiz. So AJ don't take a great shot. Let's not beat around a bush about that. However, is Tyson Fury the kind of puncher that can exploit Anthony Joshua's lack of punch resistance? Because, again... AJ has beaten guys who are pretty good punchers. He beat Dylan White. Yeah, he got wobbled, but he ended up winning the fight. He beat Alexander Povetkin, who's a good puncher. He beat Joseph Parker, who does have some degree of power. He beat Carlos Takam. You know, Anthony Joshua's beaten plenty of guys. He beat Dominic Brazil, who can punch a little bit. So... Anthony Joshua, because of his own power and because of his own ability, putting him in the ring against a puncher isn't, you know, the disaster. It doesn't have to be the disaster that everybody seems to think at this stage because he's got his own power and he's got skills. And is Tyson Fury that kind of puncher? I think Tyson Fury's power has been underrated for a long time. And... You know, I, I always felt that Tyson Fury had more power. And I, I mentioned this. Remember when I did a video where somebody was claiming that Tyson Fury can hit as hard as Wilder? Remember I did a video before the Fury-Wilder rematch where I said maybe Tyson Fury can punch very hard, but he maybe doesn't have the technique to be able to apply that power in a high-level fight. Maybe in the gym when he's sparring Dave Allen, he can sit down on his shots and hit just as hard as anybody. But in 
an elite level fight against somebody with skills, does he really have the technique to apply that power without getting hit back? That's what I was never sure about. And from the Deontay Wilder rematch, we found out that he does. However, it's not like he sparked Deontay Wilder out cold. He caught him with a good shot behind the ear, which dropped him. But Deontay Wilder wasn't totally out of it. If anything, I thought Wilder was more hurt against Luis Ortiz. He looked more out of it to me. against, And he wasn't completely out of it against Ortiz, but he looked more seriously hurt in the Ortiz fight than when he got dropped by that shot behind the ear from Fury. Now, at the end of the fight, to be fair, with Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder did look, you know, kind of out of it. But that wasn't just the concussive effect of the punches. And obviously, there's a cumulative effect as well of taking a sustained beating for multiple rounds. He was tired by then. Whereas against Luis Ortiz, when he got hurt, he was still relatively fresh. So I think just from the concussive force of the shots, he was more hurt in the Ortiz fight. So how hard is Tyson Fury really hitting? I don't know. And how much can Tyson Fury improve? Maybe by the time he fights Joshua, that right hand he throws at long range will be even straighter and even more dangerous. And maybe he'll just blow Joshua away like a proper crunk fighter, you know, like uh, six foot eight, six foot nine, Tommy Hearns. Maybe he'll be able to do that. Maybe maybe it'll be like Lennox Lewis versus versus Michael Grant when, uh, hopefully, I, I say when, but I guess I have to also say if, Tyson Fury fights AJ. Maybe it'll be like Lewis versus Grant with Tyson Fury being Lewis. We'll see. Uh, but I wouldn't at all be shocked. I know some people are going to say Bernard Hopkins is going to be biased for certain reasons in favor of Anthony Joshua. Well, that may well be true. But at the same time, there's going to be a large proportion of the people picking Fury who are blatantly biased as well for certain reasons. So <laughs> that kind of bias exists on both sides. Let's be real. Objectively speaking, I see where Bernard Hopkins is coming from in terms of the first fight maybe being a draw. I can see it. Because Anthony Joshua, we know now, when he feels sufficiently threatened and when he feels like it's the best thing to do tactically, he can get on his bike and run around the ring for 12 rounds. Amir Khan style. We saw that in the Andy Ruiz rematch. People have questioned Anthony Joshua's stamina for years, including myself, and rightfully so, because he has had a stamina problem for a long time. But in the Andy Ruiz fight, he addressed the stamina problem. He dropped all that extra bulk. He trained very hard. He obviously did a lot of movement in the gym and it paid off in the ring. That is something he can now use going forward. The caveat to that is Anthony Joshua is not particularly, you know, physically robust. I know he looks like he's made out of iron, but it's not just his chin. Even Anthony Joshua's body has been susceptible. I mean, from the Dylan White fight, he looks susceptible to body shots. In the uh, first Andy Ruiz fight, body shots slowed him down tremendously. In the second fight, Ruiz did get to AJ's body a few times. Didn't really seem to have that much of an effect. Maybe in the middle rounds, it got to him a little bit, but he was able to get a second wind and, you know, coast to victory. So, yeah, even if AJ can guard his chin, can he guard his body against Tyson Fury's attack? That's the thing, you know, if, if uh, AJ's tucking up nice and tight and Tyson Fury's headshots are not sophisticated enough or not fast enough to be able to penetrate in the early rounds, 
Maybe Fury goes to the body the same way he did against Wilder. He went to Wilder's body and that slowed Wilder down a hell of a lot. Wilder's talking about this 40 pound suit, but he's not talking about the body shots that Tyson Fury hit him with, which in my opinion had far more of an effect on his legs than any 40 pound suit. So yeah, it's the fight we all want to see. I think it's fascinating, but I wouldn't be surprised if something like Bernard Hopkins is saying came true because both guys are going to have a lot of support from the boxing establishment at this stage with the people they've got behind them. Tyson Fury's obviously gained a lot of popularity over the past year or so. So because of that, Hopkins doesn't think there'll be any kind of issue with the judges or the referee on you know, in, being in favor of one or the other. So I can see that. It makes sense. And yeah, just the way that both fighters have evolved their game over the years I could see it, you know, I could see a draw. I could see maybe not even a controversial draw, maybe a real cagey fight where AJ's moving a lot because that's the counterintuitive thing, right? That's the thing that a lot of people wouldn't expect. Let's say Tyson Fury comes out nice and assertive and AJ says, you know what? I'm going to run around the ring. I'm going to have Tyson Fury chase me. I'm going to have Tyson Fury looking a bit clumsy because yes, Tyson Fury didn't look clumsy. Or should I say no? He didn't look clumsy against Wilder coming forward. But Wilder can't move his feet the way AJ can. He's nowhere near as well balanced. He's nowhere near as nimble, you know, as AJ was in that Ruiz rematch. No. Wilder's a guy who, using feints as Tyson Fury was, you can offset his balance quite easily because he is a bit clumsy, Deontay Wilder. And that's what Tyson Fury was doing. He was offsetting Deontay Wilder's balance by feinting and throwing long-range jabs. And then he was attacking off the back of that. Once he saw Wilder's off balance, he's pushed him off balance with a jab or he's gone for one of the feints. Then he lets go with the right hand. Then he gets on the inside in the mid distance and he was pounding Wilder's body, all that kind of stuff. With AJ, that's more difficult to do because AJ's balance is better. He's much better on the counter. Yeah, so I don't know. I think it's a fascinating fight. I hope we get to see the fight because that will be the decider to determine who is the best heavyweight in the world right now. And I've got no problem whatsoever with anybody saying that Tyson Fury beats AJ or, or AJ beats Fury. This is the one to decide it all. So as far as I'm concerned, any prediction is, you know, whatever your prediction is. But I do feel, based upon, you know, being a boxing fan for the past 30-odd years, I do feel as though there's the danger that Tyson Fury could underestimate Anthony Joshua because of the fact that Tyson Fury has so much support now and everybody around him, his team, his brother, his dad, Billy Joe Saunders, they're all telling him and they have been telling him that the AJ fight is easy. And now the whole, or you know, a lot of the boxing public are telling him the same thing. I just don't know whether that's a good mindset to have and a good thing for people to be telling Tyson Fury going into the AJ fight because he performs best when people doubt him. He performs best when there's a perceived danger in front of him. If he's going in there thinking AJ is going to be easy and it's a, a walkover job and that's what everybody's telling him, I don't know, man. I think that could backfire. I think it's better for Tyson Fury to go in there thinking AJ's a serious hombre 
But that's just my take on it. And I, I do feel because of this dynamic that if I had to guess, I would say that the AJ fight turns out to be a lot more difficult for Tyson Fury than either he or most of his fans anticipate. That's why I think it's going to be a, a, a tough fight for Fury. I could very well be wrong. <laughs> I've been wrong before. We've all been wrong. But that's my gut instinct at the moment. And that's what I'm thinking. When I envision the fight logically and the build up to the fight, the mindset of both fighters, AJ is trying to redeem himself. Whereas Tyson Fury is already at the top. He already has the majority of the boxing public believing he's the best. So what, what does he gain? Do you understand what I'm saying? Tyson Fury is always a guy who fights best when he's got something to shoot for. When he feels like the world's against him. When he's an underdog somehow. That's when he has risen to the occasion before. When he's expected to go in there and deal with someone easy. Often doesn't perform, does he? Otto Wallen and, you know, various other fighters. So anyway, let me know what you guys think in the comment section below. Do you agree with Bernard Hopkins? Excuse my squeaky chair. <laughs> uh, do you agree with Bernard Hopkins? Do you think the first fight could end in a draw with AJ winning the rematch? Again, that sounds counterintuitive to a lot of people because people are saying, oh, Tyson Fury is way more versatile and he's a better boxer than Anthony Joshua. So if the first fight is a draw, then surely it will be Fury who wins the rematch in decisive fashion, not AJ. And look, I, I don't want to talk beyond the first fight at this point. You know, Hopkins is free to do it, obviously. But I just feel like the first fight, you know, I, I'm, I'm at least going to say it's going to turn out to be very rough for Fury. And I'm sure it'll be rough for AJ too. It's just not an easy fight for either man. But I just feel like those who think it's going to be a walking apart for Fury will get a rude awakening. That's my take on it. So, yeah, let me know your take in the comment section below. It's happening, I'm out. Join me on Patreon. I upload a minimum of two podcasts every single week covering a wide variety of controversial topics as well as live stream Q&A sessions. Take a look on screen right now at some of the podcasts I've produced so far. For just $3 a month, the equivalent of about £2 a month, you get access to all my new podcasts and my entire back catalogue of past podcasts, including my popular Confessions of a Nightclub Bouncer series. You can listen on your computer or on your smartphone or tablet by downloading the Patreon app from the Google Play Store or the App Store for free. The Patreon app also allows you to download each podcast in MP3. For less than the price of a cup of coffee, you get access to dozens of hours of exclusive content. It's easy to sign up, there's no contract, and you can cancel at any time. So come and join our community of free and critical thinkers by signing up with me here on Patreon today. So the saga between Mickey Theo and John Fury continues. John Fury has responded with a video where he denied that he was beaten in a bare knuckle by this Dave Campbell guy. He confirmed that Dave Campbell is dead. He said he died eight or 10 years ago. He said that when he fought Dave Campbell, Dave Campbell didn't last a minute. And John Fury said he fought well for under a minute, but after that he got on, got on top of Dave Campbell and it was game over and the police or the ambulance people had to scrape Dave Campbell off the floor. This is what John Fury says. He doesn't address more than one fight because Mickey Theo claims 
that Dave Campbell and John Fury fought several times. Whereas John Fury only refers to one fight. So I don't know if there's more of a story there or if there isn't. Who knows? If any of you have got information on this, let me know. Or maybe John Fury will speak more about it. I know he said he doesn't like to speak about the dead, but maybe he'll expand on it a little bit more and talk about the history between him and Dave Campbell. Or maybe he won't. We'll see. But that's what John Fury had to say. And he also doubled down and claims that he has never lost a fight outside the ring. Now, in this particular video here, Mickey Fio claims that the guy John Fury blinded in a street fight had actually dropped John Fury twice during that fight. And that's when John Fury got off the floor and decided to fight dirty and do what he did. And he ended up getting or doing five years in prison. I think he was sentenced to more than that. But basically, Mickey Fio claims that that's what John Fury does when he's losing a fight, is he'll start fighting dirty. I don't know whether that's true. I'm just telling you what Mickey Fio claims, and then I'm going to give you my overall take on what's going on between these two. Now, Mickey Fio also said that he's willing to fight John Fury bare knuckle, but in the ring. Because John Fury's been talking about he only wants it gypsy style, bare knuckle. Actually, he says he wants it no holds barred. He wants to fight either in his backyard or in Billy Joe Saunders' backyard. And he's waiting on Mickey Fio to turn up. Well, Mickey Fio says he's not interested in fighting in John Fury's backyard or Billy Joe's backyard. He wants to fight basically in a neutral location in a ring with Queensbury rules. Not no, no holds barred, but with Queensbury rules, bare knuckles or with gloves. He's fine with that. Now, in this, in fact, it's this video where he says it, excuse me. This was a video from June 10th where he's, uh, he talked about all that information. This is the latest video that Mickey Fio did on June 22nd. And again, he's talking about how John Fury doesn't really seem to want to fight and that there's nothing personal that he's got against John Fury. He's just answering a challenge because John Fury's been calling people out for several years. He's been saying he's the best 50-odd-year-old man in the world. And so Mickey Fio, in this particular video, says, you're not the best 50-odd-year-old man in the world. There are lots of men better at that age. And he believes he's one of those men. Okay? Now, John Fury, by the way, before I give you my take on this, has been training. You can see him here hitting... The bag, he's been doing a bit of training that was filmed. And he was also in a, a conference chat with his son and Steve Bunce talking about this Mike Tyson fight, how he'd like to get in the ring and challenge Mike Tyson, who John Fury referred to as the king of the old men. Okay, so here's my take. John Fury did say that he's the best 50-odd-year-old 50 50 -odd man in the world. He's been calling people out for a long time. Now somebody in Mickey Fio answers his challenge, and John Fury at first accepted. Then he went back on it and said, no, I'm, I don't want to step in the ring. Instead, I want it outside, bare knuckle, no holds barred, anything goes, and I'm going to tear Mickey Fio to pieces. This is what John Fury said. And he said the reason he doesn't want it in the ring anymore is because he doesn't think the public would like to see the body of a 50-odd-year-old man. They want to feast their eyes on something better than that. Words to that effect. That's what John Fury said. But then in the very next breath, he's talking about fighting Mike Tyson 
in a boxing match. I don't see the difference. Well, what's the difference of fighting Mickey Theo in a boxing match and you don't want people to see your body, but then you can fight Mike Tyson in a boxing match and you don't mind? Mickey Theo did say that John Fury's welcome to wear a t-shirt or whatever he wants in a boxing match against him. So I don't get what the why that boxing match thing is an issue for John Fury if he's willing to fight Mike Tyson in a boxing match. You know, you guys tell me, particularly those of you who are big Fury fans, tell me why he's willing to fight Mike Tyson in a boxing match. And that's not an issue in terms of people seeing his body or whether he's wearing a t-shirt, whatever. But he's not willing to do the same for, uh, you know, fighting Mickey Theo. Who knows what that's all about. As far as the whole bare knuckle stuff and look, bare knuckle in the ring, it is what it is. Yeah, Mickey Theo's willing to do it. If John Fury wants to do it, I don't see the issue. In terms of turning up and fighting John Fury in his backyard or fighting Billy Joe Saunders in his backyard, anything goes, no holds barred. Surely we have to draw a line somewhere. Because I grew up in an environment where people who weren't very good in boxing, they some of them were good in street fights because in street fights you can use whatever, right? There's no rules. But then people who weren't good in street fights, they would use weapons. And growing up in the 1990s in Brixton, there was a lot of murders. There was a lot of attempted murders. People got, got maimed and all kinds of stuff because of people using weapons. So where do we stop? If people are just trying to prove that they're the, the toughest and the most vicious, those who can't fight in a boxing match are, are going to want to fight no holds barred in the street. Those who can't do that are going to want to use weapons. Do you understand what I'm saying? Where do we draw the line? I say we draw the line with having an actual fight in a ring. Yeah? Because we're all boxing fans here, right? That's why most of you are subscribed to this channel. I don't like all that on the street with weapons and guns and that. I don't like all that type of violence. Yeah? Same way with no holds barred fights with his, you know, all kinds of maiming going on. I don't really go for that. I like watching boxing. A bit of bare knuckle where it's Queensbury rules. You know, I can entertain that as well. The rest of it, that's just savagery. So for me personally, if these two old guys, you know, game old men, game old boys, if they want to fight each other, I think they should do it in a ring whether it's bare knuckle or with gloves, and may the best man win. My personal feeling is that John Fury, at this age, because he hasn't had a professional boxing match since the 90s, my feeling is that John Fury at this age isn't that confident in his ability in a boxing ring against Mickey Theo. Because Mickey Theo has been sparring regularly for years. And he's, you know, physically fit. So I think in a boxing match, John Fury is maybe a little concerned that Mickey Theo might be able to outwork him, outmaneuver him, maybe beat him on points or something, you know? And that would be embarrassing for John Fury because he's a very proud man. He's the father of the heavyweight champion of the world. So I think that's why he wants it outside in a no-holds-barred because he feels more comfortable that he could beat Mickey Theo in a no-holds-barred rather than beating him in a boxing match. I think that's what it is. And yeah, it does sound counterintuitive because Mickey Fields never even had a white collar. He's never had any amateur fights. He's never had any, had any pro fights as a boxer. So 
you know, logically you'd think, surely John Fury would be able to destroy Mickey Theo in a boxing ring. Surely. Because John Fury actually boxed professional and he boxed some, you know, decent domestic level guys also, you know, lost to Henry Akinwandi and whatnot, who was a world champion at one stage. But again, that was a very long time ago. When was the last time John Fury actually had a boxing match? Back in the 90s. You're talking about nearly 30 years ago. When's the last time John Fury sparred? Has he been sparring in boxing regularly? Over the past 20 odd years? Maybe he hasn't, I don't know. But my take on it is that John Fury feels confident that he could take Mickey Theo in a no-holds-barred where anything goes. But in a boxing ring, I think he's a little nervous about that. Not nervous as in scared, but I think he's he's concerned that he might get outpointed or outworked by a, a fitter old guy, maybe lose on points, and then it's going to look a little embarrassing. That's my take on it, yeah? Um, and at the end of the day, if he's willing to fight Mike Tyson, and my, the, the gap in terms of fame between Mike Tyson and John Fury might not be, be as big as the gap in fame between John Fury and Mickey Theo, but the John Fury-Mickey Theo fight is a fight which is more realistic because both guys are in the UK. John Fury versus Mike Tyson. Well, John Fury is banned from the US and Mike Tyson's banned from the UK. So it's a non-starter to begin with. <laughs> is Mike Tyson really going to be so motivated to fight John Fury that they're going to find some neutral country somewhere? Mike Tyson going to go fight, I don't know, God knows where. Germany or somewhere where John Fury can still go. And it's going to be difficult for either of them. It'll be easier for Mike Tyson to get access to certain countries because of his fame. But for John Fury, it's still not going to be easy with his record, you know, to get into a lot of countries. Uh, whereas Mike Tyson... So I just think the whole John Fury... See, see a lot of these John Fury uh, fans have accused Mickey Theo of just wanting five minutes of fame. I think John Fury accused Mickey Theo of the same. But then there are people saying that John Fury is doing the same thing, calling out Mike Tyson. So, you know, it's uh, swings and roundabouts, isn't it? Let me know what you guys think in the comment section below. This whole John Fury versus Mickey Theo saga. I have noticed that initially the vast majority of people were supporting John Fury. But over the past few weeks where Mickey Theo has kept the pressure on and kept calling him out, the tide has been turning and I've noticed Mickey Theo has got a lot more support now. It's interesting. So, and you know, some people are saying, what's this? I saw a couple of people on the last video say, what's this got to do with boxing? John Fury was a professional boxer and he is the father of the heavyweight champion of the world. So it's got plenty to do with boxing and we're talking about a boxing match. That's what I want to see happen. I don't want to see no in someone's backyard where we're not even going to see it anyway in someone's backyard or whatever, like, come on. And if you're going to challenge somebody to a, a fair fight, at least have it in a neutral location. Yeah. Imagine you're somebody who lives in, I don't know, Peckham. You're challenging someone to a fight. Yeah. Come to my estate in Peckham, <laughs> the middle of my estate, where, wherever you live up in Manchester, come to the middle of my estate in Peckham which is full of all these Peckham people who you can't trust and you don't know. 
Many of them are, are, are violent and they're not afraid to use weapons and all that kind of stuff. You're not going to do that, are you? <laughs> Maybe if you're completely mad, you might, but it can all turn very wrong for you if you do. Because there's a lot of unscrupulous people around who, if you're getting on top, they're going to get involved and you could be in serious trouble. So if you want to fight with somebody, whether it's no holds barred or whatever, you need to invite them to a neutral location with, with neutral people. <laughs> Not to come to my backyard or come to my friend's backyard. Like, nah. So anyway, best of luck to Mickey Theo and to John Fury. A pair of tough old boys. Uh, but I hope that this can just be settled in the ring with bare knuckles or with gloves on. And if John Fury was able to get in the ring and beat the living daylights out of Mickey Theo, I think that would be great for him because he's been wanting a challenge and somebody stepped up to the plate who's in his age range. If he can get in there, beat this guy, well, that should fulfill some of that fight and desire that John Fury still has. It will make him feel good being able to get in there and beat up somebody who's been calling him out and calling him a chicken and all this kind of business. So I think it'd be good for John Fury to get in the ring and, you know, try and deal with this guy. And as I said before, if we're talking about a prime John Fury back in the 90s, surely he would make light work of uh, Mickey Theo in a boxing ring. Surely he would. If you look at the guy, I mean, John Fury beat Michael Murray, for example. I know he beat Michael Murray on his debut, on Michael Murray's debut. Then he beat Michael Murray a few fights later. So Murray maybe wasn't at his absolute best, but Murray was a decent level, you know, domestic operator in Britain. Yeah, he was a pretty tough guy, Michael Murray. And John Fury did beat him a couple of times. Those are decent wins on the domestic circuit. So back in the days, yeah, you'd have to say John Fury surely would make Look, John Fury, by his own admission, wasn't a big puncher, okay? But he's naturally a much bigger man than Mickey Theo. Mickey Theo is, I think, like 14, maybe 15 stone, but that's all pumped up with weights. John Fury is a natural heavyweight. So if you've got a natural heavyweight going up against the guy who's probably, without all the weights, maybe a natural light heavyweight, natural cruiser at best, there's still going to be a, a power difference there. So you might not be a big puncher at heavyweight, but if you're fighting a guy who's a light heavyweight, all of a sudden your punches are having a lot more effect. Do you understand what I'm saying? So even though John Fury might not be the biggest puncher, he should still have enough power there to uh, do some damage to Mickey Theo. It's just whether he trusts his fitness and his ability in a boxing ring at this age enough to believe he can go in there and, you know, take care of Mickey Theo. So... Anyway, it's all fun and games. Let me know what you guys think in the comment section below. It's happening I'm out. Join me on Patreon. I upload a minimum of two podcasts every single week, covering a wide variety of controversial topics, as well as live stream Q&A sessions. Take a look on screen right now at some of the podcasts I've produced so far. For just $3 a month, the equivalent of about £2 a month, you get access to all my new podcasts and my entire back catalogue of past podcasts, including my popular Confessions of a Nightclub Bouncer series. You can listen on your computer or on your smartphone or tablet by downloading the Patreon app from the Google Play Store or the App Store for free. The Patreon app also allows you to download each podcast in MP3. For less than the price of a cup of coffee, 
you get access to dozens of hours of exclusive content. It's easy to sign up, there's no contract, and you can cancel at any time. So come and join our community of free and critical thinkers by signing up with me here on Patreon today. Fuad here back on Behind the Gloves with another news update, keeping you guys up to date with all things boxing. Now, um, we've heard so much about so many different comebacks. Mike Tyson laying the ground for the comebacks this year. Um, obviously, after he kind of confirmed that he may be returning to the ring, um, heavyweights followed. Evander Holyfield said he's making a return to the ring. James Tony declared that he was going to make a return. But this one is new. This is a tweet I've taken from Michael Benson and it reads, Oscar De La Hoya has declared that he's seriously considering making a comeback at the age of 47. He said he's intending to see what happens with Mike Tyson's proposed return first, but wants a real fight against the top guy at super welterweight slash middle. And this was via Ring Magazine. This is mad, but... If there was anyone around that weight division that you think would come back, it's probably Oscar De La Hoya after he gets involved with, you know, Twitter spats here and there. Obviously, we saw him uh, get into it with Conor McGregor uh, a few weeks ago. But, you know, would you consider Conor McGregor a real fight in boxing? I don't know. It makes a lot of money. Um, and it's at the same weight division, so it'll be interesting. Super welterweight middle. Would he be able to make that? Now, he doesn't look like a super welterweight slash middleweight anymore. Um, his body's definitely changed. I'm not saying he can cut, but would that be healthy for him? I don't think so. Uh, a top guy at super welterweight and middle. Who who have we got? We've got some killers in those divisions. We've got the Charlo brothers in both divisions. Chris Eubank Jr., Demetrius Andre. Really big fights. Even Billy Joe Saunders, if you wanted to drop down. Um, to middleweight again this is crazy I don't really know what to make of it if he's just saying it or he actually will make a return but let me know what you guys think is this legit and who would you like to see him in the ring with Hey Fight fans, it's Michelle Joy Phelps. If you haven't already subscribed to my YouTube channel, make sure you go ahead and do so by clicking this icon right here and hit the bell button so you can get notified every time we upload a new video. And we also have a free app available on iTunes and Google Play. So make sure you go ahead and download that. Bye Fight fans. This is Danny Flexen from Seconds Out, joined by Fuad Abdelaziz in the Bazilding from Behind the Gloves. The, the dynamic quarterback. Behind the Gloves. Um, and we're here for the latest edition of We Never Came Up With A Better Name, so I guess we're sticking with <laughs> Stuck With Two. What about Fuad and Flexen? That's what I named it. I think Did the FNF... your name first. What a surprise. <laughs> no, Flexen and Fuad, whatever you want, we'll go with the flow. I don't the, the, the coolest law firm this side of Manchester, Fuad and Flexen, happy to take on all cases, pro bono and all that. I like it, fully, I like it. Fully, fully. So this week, it seems that all the major things seem to be happening, primarily in the welterweight division. Um, mm. Amir Khan getting summarily trounced by Manny Pacquiao at the wild card is somehow a new story in 2020. Um, mm. Dean Byrne, the guy I've got a lot of time for, um, former fixture, really, at the wildcard gym um, has come out. He's not come out. Let me rephrase that. <laughs> he um, gave an interview to Sky Sports and um, talked about his experiences at the wildcard. Very interesting. I recommend people go and read it. But the thing that's been picked out as the headline by most national newspapers is that 
he once saw Amir Khan knocked unconscious, apparently, by Manny Pacquiao in the gym. And it was one of several times Khan was seriously hurt by the Pac-Man. What, what, what do you make of this suddenly becoming relevant once again? Okay, many points. First of all, I didn't even hear about it until you pointed it out. Where's Twitter? Twitter didn't let me know on this one. But, okay, so... <laughs> Amir Khan, Amir Khan uh, and Pacquiao, from the footage, the little footage we've ever seen, you know, the clips that have ever been released, the, foot, the sparring didn't look too bad. It looked, it looked competitive. Now, given Amir Khan's chin is very suspect, not, not, I'm not saying his, I'm not saying it's, it's fluffy or anything. I don't know how uh, the, the chin is actually structured, but you know, his, his fighting style has always left him uh, sort of open to getting shots. He's, he, he carried the amateur styles into the pro his fast hands. You know, a lot of people talk about his fast hands. Why has he got fast hands? Is because he commits to his punches, unlike a lot of pros do. You know, a lot of pros sit back and take time with it. He's like this, chin in the air gets hit. So yeah, I can see him getting dropped a few times. But we're talking about 16 to 18 ounce gloves, thick head guards. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he's been knocked out once, but. I don't know. I, 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 don't, I don't know whether to believe that or not. It's a sticky one. Because it's Amir Khan, it's making me think about it. No offense. Obviously, it's just, you know, that's what we've, what we've been led to believe as fans. But I don't, see, I don't see Manny Pacquiao as the guy to continuously try hurt Amir Khan. Yeah. Um, I think them two have a good relationship, like as, 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 as Jim Palsy could call, call him at the time. They had probably had some sort of relationship where, you know, they'd respect each other's skill set and keep it competitive and learn from each other and not try knock each other out every freaking goal. But who knows? What about, what about you? The thing is, right, if his chin was that vulnerable, we know it's vulnerable in pro fights and everything, but if his chin was that vulnerable in a sparring environment, A, would he have ever joined the wild card in the first place when it's renowned for gym wars? Mm. And B, would he have been going in as a regular sparring partner, one of the most ferocious punches of his generation? It just seems crazy. Like, yeah, I imagine he's been dropped in sparring. A lot of um, fighters with presumably better chins have been dropped in sparring, but knocked unconscious and that being allowed to happen in a pro gym, I'm not so sure. I mean, but to say that, we, I spoke to um, Khan probably about five years ago when I was still at NewsQuest doing like boxing news, fighting fit and stuff. And he told myself and a colleague that he'd once said Pacquiao all over the place in sparring. So maybe that's just what guys say about sparring, you know, to make it a story, someone's got to have been seriously hurt, haven't they? But, it's like you said, it's more believable because of Khan's reputation. For sure. That sparring session, what I think of it when I think about it is, <clears throat> number one, it being fucking fast, like fast hands of both of them. But for, for exactly for that reason, they, I can see both of them clipping each other numerous times. And, uh, you know, um, who's the guy that said the story? Uh, uh, Dean Burns. Uh, Dean Burns. So he's probably seen like, you know, someone land and then maybe wobble that way a little bit. That's how, that happens in every other sparring session. But maybe because it's so intense between them, you know, they're going back and forth, fast hands, one trips a little bit that way. It doesn't mean they're hurt. It's just sparring. You're going for it. He ended the quote by saying something like, um, Pacquiao would have knocked Khan out then. He'd knock him out now. He'll knock Khan out forever. <laughs> Which I thought was exceptionally brutal way of putting it. That's... Uh... That's, that's definitely stabbing Amir Khan in his heart. Like, yeah, exactly. I imagine like him reading that would just be devastated. Like, it'll knock him out yeah. forever. He's probably a good mate of Dean Burns. Like, think, what did I do to you, bro? What did I ever say? <laughs> I feel sorry for Amir Khan sometimes. You know, he's always been the... He's, he's always come... He's almost become like everyone outside, everyone who's not a... 
casual fans know him, but when, whenever you speak to a casual fan about Amir Khan, have you realized, oh, he's got no chin, man. He's like, he's just, I'm like, I'm, we're talking about an Olympic medalist, someone who's become world champion, gone over to America, conquered America. And um, by conquered, I don't mean Mayweather style, freaking one. Yeah. New, he's fought top level fighters. He's dropped top. He fucking dropped Maidana. Do, people don't understand how hard it is. Zab Judah beat Melanarji. Yeah, exactly. Zab Judah. Like decent Melanarji yeah. as well. Exactly. So Amir Khan is, is, is funny. I don't know how I say this, but he is kind of underrated in the casual fan's eye. He really is because yeah. he's, he's honestly one of, in the last uh, two decades, I'd say one of the best fighters out of Britain because of his skill set. Of course, there is parts of him that we'll always pick out. And my, my thing with him is, he, his transition from amateur to pro didn't help him because he, you know, he kept that style. Should if you maybe look at like you, respective resumes, right, with him and Ricky Hatton, uh, as pros, you have to rate Hatton higher because he's got the better world level wins over Zoo and, and Castillo to a lesser extent. But they've yeah. both lost to only to really, really good fighters. You know, exactly. Khan's lost to like Canelo, Crawford, etc., and and uh, Hatton to Mayweather, Pacquiao, and then in that ill-advised comeback. And then Khan's got the Olympic silver medal to kind of back up and make it a bit of a more even contest because Hatton's got a better pro career. But if you look at how they're perceived by the casual fan, it's worlds apart. Yeah, yeah that's because that's, that goes to show how um, uneducated casual boxing fans are. Because yeah. casual fans of other sports, I don't think are as bad as casual boxing fans. Because these guys don't, uh, you know, when they see... They're, uh, Fucking the Ruiz fight was an example. The Joshua Ruiz fight. Uh, granted, the only person on Ruiz's resume that people knew of, if anything, was Joseph Parker. But because he didn't have a big name, it was the biggest shock in the world. But if you know anything about boxing, you don't have to know Ruiz, by the way, because I didn't fully know him. I'd seen him in clips and uh, PBC and stuff. But when I watched him properly, I instantly knew that night was going to be interesting. If if what well, I didn't expect him to lose, but definitely was going to be interesting for Joshua. Casual fans disagree. They're like, no, he lost to that fuck guy. You know, it's just, it is what it is. It is what it is. We're going to do It's interesting that. what you say though about it being different from other sports because, like, I, I quite like football, but I wouldn't call myself more than a casual fan. I'm a Liverpool fan, but, you know, I don't watch every game. I don't even watch every Liverpool game, never mind every game that's on. I know a lot of people watch any game that's on Sky or BT or whatever. But I think I could be asked two or three questions by a football fan on social media and get away with looking like I knew what I was talking about. Whereas boxing fans, casual ones, you ask them like one follow-up question to whatever ridiculous point they're putting on Twitter and they're found out straight away. So it's like, it is a fan base unlike no other, I think. Hey, Fi fans, it's Michelle Joy Phelps. If you haven't already subscribed to my YouTube channel, make sure you go ahead and do so by clicking this icon right here and hit the bell button so you can get notified every time we upload a new video. And we also have a free app available on iTunes and Google Play. So make sure you go ahead and download that. Bye, Fi fans. The progress that has been made thus far between the two heavyweight champions, how much credit for that do you give to MTK Global and also to Daniel Kinahan as an advisor? Well, Dan is a great source of uh, putting everything in perspective and talking reason uh, to uh, the, the promoters, keeping the peace with Eddie and Frank, which is not easy. Uh, so he's been a very calming, good influence. You know, he's acts as the advisor to top rank uh, and uh, the advisor 
to uh, Tyson Fury. That's his role, and uh, he's uh, done us a lot of good uh, articulating our position uh, to both Eddie and to Frank. So, again, I, I'm in a, a unique position because uh, I really, on a personal basis, like Frank, I've been dealing with him for years, and I also like Eddie, uh, and of course, uh, Barry, Eddie's father, uh, and I did a lot of fights together uh, a few de- couple of deca- decades ago. So, again, uh, whenever things seem to get out of line uh, with Frank and Eddie, which happens quite often, uh, there's Dan to come in and make peace, and also I think myself. I think Eddie and Frank both respect me as well. I read a, a report in an Irish outlet uh, earlier today where they'd spoken to you briefly about Dan and about some of the things in his past. And you were quoted as saying you can disregard that because all you care about really is the present and his role in this negotiation. Is that fair to say? Well, no, it's not fair. What I said was that there are allegations, I, you know, I'm not naive, about Daniel and his past. And in my whole history of being in boxing, I've dealt with people who not only have had allegations of past misconduct, but also served time. Like when I was associated with Ali and dealt with uh, some members of the Nation of Islam. But that is, as as uh, as somebody who is not naive, somebody who is an ex-prosecutor, I realized that dealing with them, with a person who has a background that might be questionable, as long as I understand that dealing in this area of sport, they're honorable, they're smart, and they're not doing anything that's in any way devious or wrong, why wouldn't I deal with them? Why wouldn't I deal with somebody who maybe and has never been charged, somebody who may be accused of wrongdoing in the past that has absolutely nothing to do with what they're doing with me. I judge a person like that, and I believe I'm a pretty good judge of character on who they are and what they are and how they deal, and I really will say without any question that I find Dan Kenahan to be a smart, able, and most important, an honest man. This is Andy Perawal for Boxing Social in association with Betfred and I'm delighted to be joined by Liam Beefy Smith here in Bolton. Liam, first and foremost, how are you doing? Good mate, yourself? Good. I'm good, I'm good. 
Okay, so yeah, you've, you've after the sweat and after the shower. <laughs> you've, <laughs> you've just obviously had a, a very tough workout there. You, you had a sparring session with Sam Eddington. How does it, how does it feel, though, first and foremost, to get back into the gym and just see the rest of the guys? Yeah, it's good. Obviously, it's good to be back around like, familiar surroundings, you know, and familiar people. Um, you know, we've been spaced out a bit since we've been back in um, Joe's, like, at different time slots. Um, but, you know, it's good and it's good. Like, all the procedures are done properly, you know, Joe does the temperatures when we come in and I'm not doing my temperature now, like, I swear. Um, but, you know, like I said, good to be back sparring again. Uh, I've done seven rounds with Sam one day last week. I think Friday, I think we've done eight, eight today, so uh, it's good to get that buzz back and, you know, the excitement to get him punched and punching someone. Now, obviously, just just before we do continue, we'll just make a note that we are obviously trying to social distance about yeah. two metres, I'd say. Just yeah zoomed in on the camera but obviously to continue with the interview um being back in the gym you mentioned you know joe's obviously got the procedures in place where you have two or three in at a time yeah. how eager are you and look how much you're looking forward to the time when everybody can just have a session together the way it was before lockdown yeah apparently i've been like that since you know a couple of weeks into lockdown a couple of weeks into lockdown it was all like new to everyone and it was like wow what's going on it's mad this isn't it and then it just got like boring and between people's heads and being locked in and you know the same faces you can you, you can only see um you know me and missus won't be too happy with that but um <laughs> just like the same four walls and you know the garden and it helped a little bit earlier on when the weather was good but in its own when the weather got the weather was shit you know what i mean and um people are fed up with it now and obviously i know there's a thing you, you've got to be safe and handed and with whatever whatever's going on i don't know I don't want to clue up on it, but I think there's more to it. There's something behind it. Um, but I'm just looking forward to hopefully we can get back to normal. You know, get boxing back on the road, get, get crowds back in. Uh, even the football, you've seen the weekend of football. It's shite, isn't it? You know what I mean? I can't even. I don't even want to watch it no more. If Liverpool were in the position they were in, you know, it's selfish, like, and it's it's shit, but I'd want the league scrapped if Liverpool were in. You know, after seeing the footy, the, the matches, they're just like training games, they're just they're, they're, they're shit to watch. I will say, it isn't quite the same watching the football, but just to stick with the boxing, talk to me about kind of life away from obviously the ring, because I know that going, it was probably about a month into lockdown, you just had a newborn. Yeah. How did you kind of find trying to juggle that, and then lockdown procedures and coronavirus, how did you find everything? Yeah, once the baby was born, obviously, it was it, it, the lockdown thing probably helped us a little bit, yeah. you know what I mean? Um, we didn't have visitors every two minutes, you know. We're, we're first time parents, me and me and you know the missus. So uh, it was good for her, and you know it, it worked worked in a good way, in, with lots of points with the baby. And you know, uh, they say we have visitors, but to the to the window, of the living room, or in the back garden. And um, you know, it was good a couple of weeks back to finally let me mum hold the baby. You know, it's my um, mum's granddaughter, and she had not held the baby, so. It's had its pluses, but like I say, I'm just one who wants. I'm one of the ones who wants everything to just go back to normal, mate. It's killed me that the, the lockdown is in. I'm, I'm, I'm besides the baby, I'm, I'm proper, you know, active person. I'm playing golf. I'm playing five side footy. I'm in the gym. Um, you know, I'm, I'm always here and there and everywhere. And for me to to not do that now, it's been it's been hard and tough. Talked about obviously the boxing return. We've seen a few shows over in the US starting to come back. Have you seen any of it? If so, what's kind of been your thoughts behind closed doors, of course? Yeah, I think the boxing's a little bit better to watch behind closed doors. Like I said, the boxing and the UFC, 
I've probably enjoyed more than I have the football. Um, I don't think we've been blessed with a good game yet. You know what I mean? Um, Man City have won five 0 but they 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 play normal games like they're saying, and you know, they are good to watch. But um, you know, like I said, the main side of the is three nil nil. It's just like the UFC though, and the boxing have been quite quite okay, better than I thought they'd be without crowds. How do you think fighters are kind of coping with it, the initial like, early stages? Do you think we are going to see more shocks? Do you think people will be able to perform better without the pressures of a crowd? Or do you think some fighters won't be able to get up for a fight without having that audience there to push them on? There'll be, there'll be lots of situations like that. You'll get people who fight better without crowds. You'll get people who fight different, different, worse, not so much. A lot of people thrive on a crowd, you know, and... Um, you, you'll get people who might tell you, I don't know what some, some of them good fighters spar like in the gym. You know, they might just be get it right on the night and that's when you'll see wonder, see how like how good they are and to fight behind closed doors and it, it, it's interesting that I do think they'll be more upset behind closed doors but again I'm not interested to see it because I want it to hurry up and be over and then there to be crowds. What kind of update have you got on yourself, Liam? What, is there anything you can feel? So, you know, I know you was kind of waiting to see what happens with Tixera and his WBO title fight and waiting for that fight. You had Jesse Vargas was a name which has continued yeah. to crop up. Anything going on? With lockdown, no, there isn't. You know what I mean? Obviously, before it, I, I was in like a bit of a good, very good position and I was linked with a few different names. Kel Brook, obviously, I went to his fight. Before the Crawford fight came on the table for him, I think that was near enough. You know, we were near enough there with that fight. Um, then, you know, I mentioned the Vargas one again, he, he, he jumped on in, you know, he'd be happy for that fight. So, that's a fight that's probably closer at the minute than a Calvary fight would be. But, this pandemic thing has put a, put a halt to everything, you know. I'm, I, I've heard no thing when I'll fight. Um, I trained all over it and then I just thought, you know what, I'm, I'm not fighting in Eddie's back garden, you know what I mean. So, I've had a bit of, a bit of time off before we got back in the gym and, you know, I've enjoyed myself. And, um, you know, I'm probably heading towards September, October for myself, hopefully. You mentioned the Brook fight there. Obviously, I did an interview with you over Zoom where we spoke about that in, in quite length. But just on Crawford, do you believe that if, say, the Crawford rumours hadn't come up for Cal to face him, a fight may well have materialised? Depends, depends what money he offered him. You know, I don't know what his, what his money situation is. Um, but, as I say, if it weren't a good reward for him, I don't think he would have because... I said from day one, I don't think he. Um, how can I put this? He's not scared, but I don't think he fancies the fighters in. It's a high risk, low reward. I've said that since day one for him. So unless it's the, the money is worthwhile for him, um, I, I don't think he don't think he'd have it. But again, I'm not doing interviews now every week talking about Calbrook again. Um, you know, I done it last time. I turned up at his fight. Uh, I was close to happening. You know, again, I'll just say he's 154, 154, and then calls up 147s again. So I'm, I'm, I just don't know what he's, uh, what, what, what his method is. The big fights for him probably are that 147, the Crawford fight or whatever else. And like I say, if he gets a Crawford fight for that money, then 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 you know, good luck to him. I'd never ever knock him for that. You know what I mean? But I just think you keep announcing you're going to 154, and then he after that fight, that he fought he fought Mike to look at 154, and then. In his interview after the fight, said he wants Danny Garcia or Mickey Garcia two for two one forty seven, and I'm like, you know, it's just a, you know, you want the big names at one forty seven, stay at one forty seven. Um, just to move away from Callum, obviously Jesse Vargas as well. 
Is that kind of the name which you think is most likely for yourself whilst you wait to see what happens in the WBO? Yeah, probably. I just think it's a. Uh, again, I don't think Eddie's going to. No, if there's no Brook fight, then I'm, I'm very close to the WBO title. I think I'll probably be the next man to the challenger for the WBO title. You know, if I, if I fought and beat Vargas in between then, then I'd obviously stay mandatory. That might get put as a final eliminator. I know WBO rate Vargas well. He's a former. I think he's WBO welterweight champion Vargas. So, um, you know, that's a good fight in the meantime, isn't it? While I'm waiting, if I'm waiting for a world title shot and I was announced to fight Jesse Vargas, that's not like, that's not a gimme fight, as they say. So, um, and again, if, 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 you know, the fight, I don't think, for Eddie, I don't think Eddie's gonna, it's gonna pay me good money for the, for a gimme fight, and especially after what's been going on with this, this pandemic, they're all saying there's no gimme fights no more, so, no, Jesse Vargas has said no gimme fights, and that's a fight I'd like just stylistically, well, it's a good fight, and he's a, he's a good fighter. I mean, how do you kind of see the coming months and certainly the rest of this year playing out for yourself? We've got this moment in time, you know, some travel restrictions in place and there is going to be you know, British fighters against British fighters or US fighters against US fighters. Where does kind of the landlord with you? Are you open to fighting on a behind closed door show in Matchroom HQ if the fight was put to you? Or? Yeah, definitely, but I just haven't been men mentioned about it. And like I say, I had a couple of weeks off, so, if you know, I, 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 wouldn't, be, I wouldn't be ready to fight July. Um, that that's what the situation's gonna lie now and we don't know with the you've got a isolating quarantine in a hotel there. It's gonna be interesting to see how fighters make weight. You know, in that sense if they're all in the same like van and yeah. hotel, what gym they'd be ac access to. Um but you know, I I, I say I'm probably looking towards September myself. Man who um, you were sparring today, Sam Eggington, he's obviously getting close to the announcement of that Ted Cheeseman clash. Be a brilliant fight, many people looking forward to it. What are your thoughts on it, Liam? And there's, you know, it's a good fight. Obviously, people just think, oh, it's got war written all over it. I think it should end up a war, but I don't think Cheeseman will turn up for a war. I think Cheeseman probably thinks he's the better boxer. Um, but, you know, it's down to who, you know, establishes themselves, really. I think Cheeseman will probably turn up and try and box the way he boxed Fitzgerald, but he's got to, um, he's got to pick his mind up. You know, you can't do that for 12, what he tried to do. And, uh, the minute Fitzgerald put it on him, it turned the fight into Fitzgerald's favour. So, you know, as I said that if I was if I was Sam, I'd put it right on Cheeseman in one or two and round one and two. And I don't mean like just put it on him from round one. I just mean round one. I had to set a pace with him just to make Cheeseman think, wow, I'm, I'm in a fight again here. And um, Cheeseman's confident as much as you know he, he talks. He talks well and um, he seems a confident kid. I don't care who you are. You know, he's he's had two losses and one draw in his last three fights. So. You know, if the first and second rounds are tough for him, he could start thinking, oh, oh shit, if I lose again here, you know, it's a little bit like I've lost three in my last four. Um, so it, it'll be interesting to see Sam's on a bit of a bit of a high yeah. run of confidence now because of the Italy situation. And, um, you know, it, well, it'll be a good fight, I'm looking forward to it. Final thing, Liam, uh, probably just over a week ago, we had the announcement that uh, Tyson Fury and Anthony Joshua had agreed a deal in principle for two fights in 2021. When you heard it, what was your thoughts on it? Made up to a sense, like, you know, I obviously hope they fight in that, but it was, um, you know, it was just mad to see that they announced fights before they've... For Wilder yeah, and Wilder and Pulev, yeah, you know what I mean? Um, you know, I, I think the fight definitely happens, but I think the fight doesn't happen for all four world titles.
I mean, there are obviously many obstacles to overcome. You got not just for fights, but you got mandatories in Alexander Usyk and then obviously Dillian White with WBC. Yeah. What are your thoughts on all that? That, that I just think neither of them will step aside now. Yeah. Neither of them. I think obviously it, there's no secret. Joshua wants Usyk wants Joshua, and and Dillian White's just shouting his mouth off now. I think incentive for Fury, so he's not going to step aside either. So, you know, I think there's too much money involved for Joshua and Fury not to happen. And to be honest with you, I think it's probably the same money with four world titles as it is for one world title. You know what I mean? I think as soon as they did, so I think the fight definitely happens. Bear in mind, they both beat Pulev yeah. and Wilder, uh, but I don't think it'll be for the every title. You know what I mean? Final thing on it all, obviously the WBC have got a couple of franchise champions out there in Vasyl Lomachenko and Canelo. Yeah. There's been talks and rumours that Tyson Fury may well be elevated to that. Nothing obviously official yet from the WBC. Say if obviously Tyson was to be elevated, he had franchise title, he was to fight face AJ and all the titles were on the line, would you class it as an undisputed title fight? Yeah, definitely. Obviously, if if, if Fury doesn't get stated to make him a franchise champion, that's not his fault, then then yeah, I think it depends. But if where, Joshua wins, would it go down? He's still only got three belts. Yeah, he can't yeah. Lose yeah. The franchise yeah, belt. you can't. No, I mean, you can't lose a franchise title if Joshua beats him. Yeah. Joshua's still got no WC title. You know what I mean? From that, from that fight, so it's a, I don't know, it's a little bit hard. It's a harsh thing, but it's just the way. Both, you've got to look at it the right way. You've got to, you know, Dillian White. It'd be a nightmare for Dillian White because Dillian White will be upgraded to world champion then, and then I think it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a sore point with that because like, you know, is Dillian White a world champion? But then you think Dillian White. It's more worthy of a world title shot than any heavyweight in the world. You know, he's yeah. beat good fighters. What sh- would be okay for world title defences? You know, if Joshua beats Parker in a WBO unification fight, Dillian White beats him in like a non-title fight. You know what I mean? Um, Oscar Rivas was a very, very good fighter. That was a WBC silver title fight. Yeah. You know, they're, they're worthy of world title defences. And if anyone's due a world title shot, I think it's Dillian White. But... If you're upgraded to franchise champion, even Dillian White, I don't think would want to be put as world champion in that way. I think Dillian White would probably want to be Fiori to be world champion. Liam, we'll leave that there now then. I will leave you to enjoy the rest of your day. I appreciate your time. Stay safe and best of luck with the coming months and I'm sure I'll catch up with you soon. Thank you for speaking to Boxing Social. Thanks for me, thanks. This is Andy Furrow for Boxing Social in association with Betfred and I'm delighted to be joined by Callum Smith for WBA Super World Super Midweight Champion and Ring Magazine title holder, WBC Diamond Belt holder, the Muhammad Ali Trophy title holder, or yeah. <laughs> trophy, yeah. Uh, there's a lot of Callum, as it never gets easier despite yeah. how many times I interview you and have to introduce them all, but how are you doing? Yeah, I'm good, I'm good. Um, good to be back, so yeah, um, things are good. Talking about life returning back to camp, how have you found kind of getting back into the gym? Yeah, it's been good, I've enjoyed it. Obviously, it's a little bit similar to when you, know, you have a fight, you have a few weeks off after yeah. it. Obviously, you've had a bit more than a few weeks off, but I've been doing a little bit, but I mean, I've seen you know, some fighters basically just grafting the balls off two, twice a day on, on, on their Instagram and the garden and stuff, and 
I took it more as I enjoyed the, the family time in lockdown and you know, took my foot off the gas a bit and had a good rest, which you know, we kind of get deprived of that time when we're in full camp. It's, it's full on and you miss out on a lot of the family stuff. So it's been good, but after a few year, few weeks, you do want to get back to, to what you do best and get back to work. And now the gyms are back open. It's good to get back in and slowly just start getting getting that daily routine back, which, which we're always used to. Now, no matter what stage of your career you've been at, there's always been talk about you know yourself and making weight. With this kind of break, do you feel it will affect you at all? Have you seen any kind of differences, or maybe has it been a bit tougher these couple of weeks where it would have been maybe a bit easier previously? In terms of my weight, yeah. Um, no, my weight's always I seem to hit a point and it stays at that. I think just my body changes. I lose a bit of my muscle and gain a bit a bit of puppy fat around the stomach, <laughs> but. Again, I've always said I'll take a fight by fight. Uh, I've been people have been you know, saying I'll move up soon from probably two years as a pro, and everyone's always questioned how long I'll stay at the weight. And I see I keep doing it, I keep performing at it, and until that changes, until that I feel like it's hurt me and it's affecting my performance, then I'll move up. Or if all my options are gone at super middle, then I'll move up because no, I, I do believe I'm good enough, I'm big enough to to compete at, at the top at one seven five as well. But as long as there's options for me at super middle and I can still do the weight comfortable then no I'll, I'll stay here as long as I can but 175 is an option at some point just I'm not sure when I know you're you're huge and you're hugely clean, keen and you're eager to get a big fight at 168 now whether it be a unification or you know the Canelo fights obviously been talking about and don't really want to keep on touching yeah. on that but is it now either a big fight or move up um I don't know obviously there's there's two ways to look at this this big break we've had you think well do you want to come off basically 12 months out and jump into a, a big fight? Ideally, you wouldn't, but in this scenario, your opponent's probably at the same layoff, so it's back to a level playing field. And do I want to waste more of my career having a, a, a tick over fight, so to speak, when I've already had, just sat out for basically 12 months? So, ideally, I'd like to just get back in and make up for lost time and just get involved in the big fights. We've all had the layoff, so it is kind of we're all in the same position. So, I, I've Said for a while now, I, I want the big fight. I want to, I want to test myself, and I believe that's when people see the best of me when I'm up against it. And that's all I've ever asked for of, of my team, just delivering me the best fights possible. And I still stand by that. I, I know I've got trust in my team to, to deliver the best fights for me, and I believe I beat anyone in the world at one six eight. And I know I'd like to just prove that. You're obviously you know a much bigger name than what's kind of been mentioned for the behind closed door shows, given your stature and holding yeah. the titles and what have you. How do you actually see these coming months playing out for yourself, though? I, I, I don't know, because I think, obviously, the, they've announced they're going, to, they're going to do a few shows behind closed yeah. doors. And like you said, I think I don't think you'll see many world title fights on them or anything like that. But if we start getting to the end of the year and we're still not a large crowd, then it might be a case of you've got to just bite the bullet and do it. It's No, I can't sit out for another 12 months and not fight just because I don't want to fight you know, behind closed doors. So... If it's a case of waiting a few months and then we'll be back to normal, then I think most fighters probably will. But the unknown of not knowing how long this is going to happen or when we will get a crowd, that's the, the frustrating part because if you were to say we'll have a crowd in November, then I'd aim for November. But we could reach November and there's still no sign of a crowd and I've wasted more more time in my career and more time, not the best years in my career really, and we're a champion and now I want to capitalise on that. So... I don't know. I'll speak to Eddie and we'll see what, what he thinks it thinks going to happen and what the next few months look like. But now I want to get back boxing as soon as possible. Preferably back to normal with a crowd. But again, we'll have to wait and see. What kind of are the early discussions or what have you said with Eddie or with your team and with Joe about 
names because I know it's obviously very difficult at the minute and with the matchroom shows that are coming up at Matchroom yeah. HQ you did kind of if you look at it you'd imagine that you're kind of for as bad as it sounds maybe not the priority yeah. because we're just focusing on getting shows back for, for this moment in time yeah I, get, I, I spoke to Eddie about a month ago I think and I'm due to speak to him again this week um, again I'm, I'm expecting I know a little bit more than we did last time we spoke but it was more just I think just taking it week by week with, with the government guidelines and just see see what we're looking at and I think he's optimistic we'll get crowds towards the back end of the year we'll have to just wait and see but again it, it does affect me because for the meantime for the early shows I don't think I'm you know, in, in the line for one of them but I would like to fight this year so whether that's with a crowd or without I would like to get back out and just get my career, career back rolling again so again it's still all up in the air but not just for me for every boxer in the country and we've all just got to sit and ride it out and hopefully we can get back to normal soon enough I know one name which many people would like to see, you know, yourself and Billy Joe are two yeah. British fighters, so it's obviously be easier to make than with somebody who's in the US or elsewhere. But say if, you know, crowds don't return, is that type of fight something that you don't envisage could happen behind closed doors? Um, it's weird. I think that the, maybe Billy Joe's type of fight, that probably makes sense. I think if, if Canelo didn't exist in a yeah. situation, then that fight would be made pretty simple. I understand if he can get Canelo that comes before me and rightly so and it'd be the same vice versa we both, we both kind of want that fight if neither of us can get it and I think that fight makes sense it's a British unification outside of Joshua Fury it's the only other possible British unification at the minute I think so it is a fight that should make behind closed doors I'm not too sure I think you no, know, I'd happily fight him behind closed doors and I'm sure he'd happily fight me I think it's more just the the logistics of things, the promotional side, the financial side, obviously with no crowd and stuff. I don't know whether that would work on you know, both parties kind of thing, but in terms of fighting each other, it, it, it is a fight. You know, I've boxed in Saudi Arabia, I've boxed anywhere, it is a ring at the end of the day, but I think that type of fight probably does deserve a big crowd and you know, a big, big kind of build-up over here with an all-British unification, but again, we'll have to wait and see and see what happens with him and Canelo, and if them two fight each other, then you know, I have to look elsewhere. So it, it's a complicated situation but it's a good situation to be in I'm in a good division with a lot of big names and hopefully I can I can secure one of them obviously just to briefly touch on Canelo Billy Joe was close to announcing that fight you use all in talks Billy Joe was close to announcing it before lockdown since then he's kind of that fight hasn't been spoken about and now we've seen Anthony Durrell Sergei Derevanchenko yeah. and William Monroe Jr yeah. the names coming up as possible opponents for Canelo What's been your thoughts on seeing those names now, given that yourself and Billy Joe? Yeah, in talks? I think again, I don't know. I don't. I'm not involved in them negotiations. But my thing is, I think with the no crowds, obviously, a Canelo crowd generates a lot of the revenue to pay him himself and his opponent. And now that's gone, they probably want a cheaper opponent. And Billy Joe's obviously got his number that he wants to be paid and his number that he's agreed on. So I doubt he's going to take less for the same fight. If you know. Uh, a few months later so I, I don't know I think they're probably looking at a fighter that will take less where they can save on on the money they're going to lose and then rearrange the Billy Joe fight next so I think that, that from my side looking in that's what I'm, I see it as they're just trying to get a cheaper opponent to do behind closed doors so they don't take a bigger hit and then when crowds are back he can get back and not pay Billy Joe what, what they're planning on paying and whereas I think your likes of your Darrells aren't in a position to demand the big pay so they may take it and probably again you've got to they can get a cheap opponent, but then the zone have still got to approve it. So I think that's where it gets complicated on their side. But the, the couple of weeks ago, a lot of the names are firing up. Now it seems to have gone quiet again. We haven't really heard much on it this week. So I don't know where they're at. Maybe it's 
back on Billy Joe, I'm not too sure, but hopefully nobody will get something sorted. Why do you think it is that it seems to have been so hard to make unification fights in the £168 division for a number of years now? Um, I think over the last few years it was more a promotional thing. I obviously big big bros for the belt. I was with Matchroom and then yeah. Ramirez was with Top Rank at the time and I spoke to them and they were keen for the fight and then he moved up so that, that and then obviously Billy Joe won it so then that become a bit more possible. Plant Benavides above with Al Eamon so I think there's more chance of them fighting each other before they fight, probably me or Saunders. So hopefully they can you know, get a fight on with each other and then the winner, it, it makes more sense then for the winner. To, if me and Billy Joe can fight, we can hopefully do two semi-finals and then yeah. a final and hopefully get an undisputed champion. But it's just, it, it's, the not, it's, not, it's just the part people don't see and it's the, the downside to boxing, it's the promotional side and fights don't happen because of different promoters and different TV channels. It's not as straightforward as, as the fighters would like, but... There is ways around it. You no know, people, people from different promoters still fight each other. They've all just got to agree, and hopefully that can be the case at one six eight. Before I let you go, Callum, just want to get your thoughts on a few fights that have been spoken about at the mini, and starting off with these these shows behind closed doors for Matchroom guys today. Sam Higginson has been sparring with yeah. brother Liam. Talks about him and Ted Cheeseman just waiting to kind of hear an announcement. I knew what be your thoughts if that yeah. does go ahead. It's a good fight. I think stylistically, they both know. They both known to to you know, to have a good fight to um, take a few to land a few and I think stylistically it could be a good fight. Um, Sam obviously had had, had a, a few losses to me, brother Liam, and then his confidence is probably high. He went to hit Italy and come away with a good win, whereas Cheeseman was on a, a great run of form and then he had a, you know I think last year did he have was it two losses and one draw. Yeah. A few of them were you no know, close and debatable, but on paper he's lost two and drew one out of his last three fights. So confidence wise, that's got to have an effect on him and. There's a lot on his fight for him in terms of pressure and where his career goes after. He can't afford another loss. And the same for Sam, he can't afford another loss, to be honest with you. So there's a lot of stay free the fighter. And I think I can see in the Fitzgerald one, I think I think Cheeseman took a lot of stick after the Garcia fight for taking too many shots and neglecting his defence. And then in the, the Fitzgerald fight, he seemed to box on the back foot and use his braid a little bit more and then ends up getting dragged into a fight late on. And I think he'll use similar tactics. I think he'll try and outbox Sam early on. And then at some point he will it will engage and it'll end up a, a good fight to watch. And in terms of who wins, I don't know. I think it depends who's or what Sam's got left and how the the you know, the bad last year has affected Cheeseman's confidence. And is he the same fighter he once was, or is he starting to you no know, be on the decline? I don't know, but it's an interesting one. And it's a good fight definitely. And as far as getting boxing back on the telly, that that's a good one to get it going with. And another fight which has been spoken about is. Between two of your past opponents, Rocky Fielding and John Ryder, yeah. what were your thoughts if those two had a rematch three years on from when they fought previously? Um, a good fight. Well, the careers are both yeah. both there's a few twists and turns since since they both fought last time. Well, Ryder's on good form. Um, Rocky obviously had the loss to Canelo, and then he's had he has a, a while out. He's come back. He's had a win, and he's probably looking to get back in the, back in the picture again. So it's a good fight. The winner puts himself you know back in the mix for the big fight. The loser probably takes a step back. So no, at that stage in the career, they can't really afford to take a step back. I think they're both in the 30s. So it's a good fight, an interesting one. Um, Rather believe probably I think he believes he won the first fight. It was it was a very close fight. So he probably want to put that straight. And Rather's name is probably a little bit better thought of now because of the fight with me. So if Rocky was to get a win over him, it, it's a good win for Rocky again. So it's a good fight. And again, I've heard it mentioned. I don't know whether it's close to being made or not. I'm not too sure, but. And another fight, and if it's behind closed doors, then no, it's a good match. 
And then finally, just to get your thoughts on it, obviously about just over a week ago, we had the announcement that Anthony Joshua and Tyson Fury had agreed terms for a two-fight deal in yeah. principle for 2021. When you heard the announcement, Callum, yeah. what was your reaction to it? To be honest with you, I seen it, I thought it was a fake account that had announced it. I thought, how can they agree a fight? And it's, it's mad. that's a huge fight, a massive fight for British boxing. The first ever undisputed no, British fight and that heavyweight as well. It starts that little bit more to it. But I don't know why... Obviously, they've, they've got the good publicity off it, but I don't know why they've both got a fight in the meantime and then they've both got mandatories they need to agree to. I'm sure Yusuf's not going to sit and wait and let them have two... Because it's a two-fight deal, so he's not going to let them have two fights while he sits and waits around. And I'm sure Dillian White will have the same thing and Pavekin will have the same. So, was it Pulev who's Josh was the mandatory? Pulev. sorry, yeah. So, you've got to get all them to agree to step aside for two fights, not just the one. So, it, I think it's a little bit more complicated than what people seeing but listen if they can get a fight on together for all the belts then no that's massive that's huge they're both doing great things for British boxing anyway but them to fight each other would be huge and I hope it does happen but at the same time you know you do you have got a feel for you Dillian White you six and stuff who've fought and got themselves in the position and they're expected to just sit around and wait and let them them crack on but that that's boxing it's, it's complicated but I just want to see the best fight the best and that is, that is a huge fight I obviously asked your brother before uh, yourself and I'll ask you now there's been some rumours and you know people saying that maybe Tyson Fury could be elevated to the WBC's franchise mm -hmm. champion if that was to happen and obviously all the belts were still being held by AJ and yeah. by Tyson would you class it as an undisputed fight knowing that AJ can't become a franchise champion yeah now? that's the thing where if, if Josh if Fury wins it then he's got the three belts and he's WBC you know he hasn't lost the WBC title whereas I think if Fury lose when uh, Joshua wins it he's still not WBC champion he still won't have that WBC belt so it's a little bit complicated on Joshua's side whereas if Fiori wins it you've got to say he's undisputed champion he's got all the belts but for Joshua it's still he'll still not have that green belt which he probably wants so it's a shame really and I just think the franchise champion is just a way of complicating it even more and people getting out of mandatories and stuff so you get to a manti position and then the champion can just be promoted and you can go and win your belt but there's still someone ranked a little bit higher than you like in my opinion no, the WBC champion at lightweight is Lomachenko he's franchise champion yeah. and you've got Devin Haney as the thing you know, but Devin Haney wouldn't be world champion if Lomachenko didn't get promoted so it just devalues it a little bit but again it, it, they've got the reasons for doing it but I'd like to just even as a boxer it's obviously more belts is better for us because it's easier to achieve your dream and become a world champion but in my opinion there is too many and they need to just be no, the WBA regular should be gone. WBC, no, diamond. I've got a diamond belt. I don't class it as a world title. It's just the WBC champion is the WBC champion. Your diamond, your silvers, your franchise, they all need to go, in my opinion, and just have your four belts. Even that's probably too many, but they've been around for a while. Yeah. Also, you've got your four main belts. You're in one of them, you're world champion. All the others are a bit, bit of a grey area. Um, can one final thing, fact, before I do let you go, didn't get a touch on him. Liam, your brother, obviously, some talks about, you know, previously it was Cal Brook and now we've seen Jesse Vargas' name yeah. come up. Liam versus Jesse Vargas, what were your yeah. thoughts if we was to see that fight? It's a good fight. It was I spoke about around last year yeah. and obviously there'd been a better fight then before he's now gone and lost to, to Mikey Garcia. So now a win over him isn't as good as what it probably would have been, but it's still a good fight. He's a big name, especially over in the States. and. It's a good matchup for Liam. I think Liam just wants he wants the big fights now. He's you no, know, he's always in the gym. You've seen then he's been sparring. and he's not long back in camp and he jumps in and he'll spar anyone and he, he's just always he's itching to get back in there and he wants the biggest fights possible, whether that's Vargas, Brook, 
all them. He, he just wants the big names to, to put himself back in line for, for another world title shot. So fingers crossed things can get, get sorted and you know, Eddie can sort him in a decent fight, which I feel he deserves. He had a good year last year. And three fights, three wins, you know, a couple on the road as well, and just keeping busy. And that's probably the most active he's been in a few years, and he wants to build on that now. Callum, we'll leave that there now, then, like I and we'll leave you to enjoy the rest yeah. of your day. It's been a pleasure to catch up with you. Stay safe, and I will speak to you soon. Thank you for speaking to Boxing Social. And you, mate, I'll speak to you in a bit.